Restaurant Unstoppable episode 754 with Nick Bishop Jr. Great chicken's cool, and that's a byproduct of it. But if I pour that into our staff, they'll pass it on to the guests that come through these doors. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And Seven Shifts is trusted by over 400,000 restaurant professionals because it gives you the tools you need to streamline labor operations, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable that's the number seven s-h-i-f-t-s dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free are you still manually processing your accounts payable no 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 you need to be using plate iq plate iq is the most intelligent and intuitive way to remotely manage your accounts payable with plate iq you can pay your vendors with a fraction of the time and manpower it took before to learn more head over to www.plateiq.com slash unstoppable that's www.plateiq.com slash unstoppable and when you use that link you'll get 25 percent off implementation what are you doing right now? I'll tell you what you're doing if you're in the market for a new POS. You're headed to toasttab.com slash unstoppable to set up your own demo, and you're going to find out why it's the most recommended POS on the show by a landslide. Guys, if you use my link, not only will you get the incentives that Toast is offering you by using the link I'll also share my commission with you. I'll split my commission with you 50-50 after taxes. That's about $2,000. So I'll send you a check for $1,000 to say thank you and to help support you during these weird times. Again, head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable. What is going on, Unstoppables? I don't know if you guys picked up on it, but we got some new sponsors. Plate IQ and Seven Shifts are sponsoring the show. And if those names sound familiar, it's because they've been getting recommended a ton organically on the shows by my guests. And they are the ideal sponsor that I'm looking for because I want to promote and share the resources my guests are recommending organically on the show. And by far, Seven Shifts and Plate IQ are some of the most recommended tools as of late on the show. So if you are interested in these tools, please, 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 please make sure you use my links. We want to make sure that Plate IQ and Seven Shifts sponsor many more episodes to come. So they want to make sure there's a return on investment and they need to know that people are discovering their services and their tools through the show. So you have to use my links and even let me know if you use the link and I'll make sure that they know you came from me and that's how important it is. And um, their, their support will help take restaurant unstoppable to the new level. Uh, they will help me build the team I need and get resources I need to serve to best serve you. And I just cannot stress enough how important it is that we show our sponsors some love. So if you are interested in plate IQ or seven shifts, make sure you listen to the, the, uh, 
to the ads and hear about what value they can bring to your life and make sure you use my links. And again, even take it a step further, email me, Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. I want to know that you're using my sponsors and I want to make, I want to know that they're taking care of you too. So if you do go with one of my sponsors, uh, let me know. I will do my best to stay on them. I want to make sure that my listeners are also being taken care of. So please keep me in the loop and, uh, let's, let's, Let's take this to the next level. Um, and this is part of my mission to slow down and go deeper. Um, something you've been hearing me talk a lot about. Um, it's every relationship. It's the relationship with my guests. I want to connect with them on a whole new, deeper level. I want to connect with you, my listeners, on a whole new, deeper level. That's why I've created Restaurant Unstoppable Network to bring you guys all together so we can share knowledge and support one another. And I also want to connect with my sponsors on a whole new, deeper level by really only promoting the companies that I know will serve you better and the best out there. Um, and I want to make sure that, that they're being taken care of. It's, it's that enlightened or not. Uh, yeah, it's enlightened hospitality. Danny Meyer's enlightened hospitality, uh, that idea that we have to take care of everybody we touch. And for me, that's my listeners. That's my guests. That's my sponsors. You get what I'm saying. So do I have to say it again? Please use my links. It helps so much. It really does. I cannot emphasize it enough. So today we're talking to Nick Bishop. So Nick Bishop Jr., to be exact, uh, is the co-founder of Hattie B's Hot Chicken in Nashville, Tennessee. And they've scaled to three locations in Nashville, one location in Birmingham, Alabama, one location in Memphis, Tennessee, and they got one location in Atlanta, Georgia. And I love this story. Um, it's a really great story of... Uh, a restaurant family, right? Um, doing their own thing, finding something that is just stealing the show on their menu and then putting a lot of effort into just making that one menu item, hot chicken, the centerpiece. And this is the story behind that. Um, we're talking to Nick Jr. Uh, great dude, great energy. I know you're going to love this episode. Here it is. And with excitement, allow me to introduce to you for the first time on the show, Nick Bishop Jr. My man, are you feeling unstoppable today? Always. Yes, man. I cannot wait to get into your story. You guys opened, what, 2010? But before that, was 2017. Your dad has a long story. I know you've scaled Hattie B's to 10... Sorry, seven locations now in four different states. I cannot wait to get into your story, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Yeah, so uh, I think the one thing that we say and try to practice as often as we can in our restaurants with our teams, uh, uh, and it was it kind of came about late one night uh, after a couple of drinks uh, with one of my other uh, coworkers, and we just. Uh, we're sitting up thinking about like what do we what are what you know what's at the core of what we're trying to do um, what are our values yeah. um, but not you know we didn't want like twenty of them it was like what are the two or three things and the one that always sticks with us uh, and then we've got plastered all over the walls in the kitchen is uh, smile and hustle man yeah smile and hustle and you cannot be choosing a better time to talk about core values because I literally am going through this exercise right now we just had Rudy Mick from Mick Consulting come on to yeah. talk about uh, core values in a workshop and. Um, it's hard to, to, to distill your essence to five bullet points, six bullet points. Yeah. What you, you said you had a whole list. What'd you get it down to? It was, it, it was, it was, it was little, it was more like little mantras, right? Like all these things, like how, how can you take a big idea and, and make it into something digestible so that it's easy for us to always kind of, that becomes our center of like, if I feel myself slipping or if I feel like quality is not here or, 
our staffing's just not quite right. Like Smiling Hustle, Smiling Hustle, Smiling. We got yeah. a couple more, but yeah. uh, I think there's like three or four that are big ones that you know. I'm, I'm sure at some point I'll, I'll mention today, but we'll get into it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm curious as you're going through this exercise, um, and this is something I'm I'm, ask, I'm asking this selfishly right now. I'm literally yeah. going through the process myself of trying to distill my core values to a, no more than seven or eight, right? Yeah. I, six ideally, right? Um, how do you? What's that exercise look like of getting that 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 transparent or that attuning to who you are? Because I do believe that your business, and I don't know what your beliefs are, but I do think that your business should be a reflection of who you are, right? So, yeah. like, what did that look like? How did you guys? Yeah, like it's hard to get so real with yourself. It's awkward. You know what I mean? It's very awkward. It's yeah. like asking your like, I'm not good at like taking compliments or you know give you know. Uh, it's just hard for me to sort of be like, ah, oh, you know, it's usually, oh, no, it's these people are the ones that make it work. Mm. And it's true. Like, everybody back there busting their butts, like, allows me to sit down and drink a beer and talk about restaurants with yeah. you, you know? <laughs> um, but uh, we've got a really good kind of core team that have been around since the beginning. I mean, we're eight years deep into this, and most of our guys have been with us. Some of them have been with us since day one, but um, a lot of the really important people to that that make up what Hattie Bees is have been around for six seven years and yeah. so they get it as much as I get it because they help create it and so it was just about like what's our sort of north star what's the thing that's going to help us navigate help make decisions yeah right? like how, do, how yeah and it's like what, the way we approach it is not about like what's it's it's not even what's best for the you know it's not about the bottom line it's not about what's best for this one person or even necessarily the restaurant it's like what's What's the, what's the greatest good for the you know the most amount of people? I and, love it. And and the bigger we get, the more it the more it's just sort of like come back to that like you are now responsible for the livelihood and well being of a lot of these people. Yeah, be that example and, and help make. And it I think a place we forget. Where, I think we get we kind of get sucked into that trap when we're opening a restaurant if we're new and young that we think we hire people they they work for us they and they're there to serve us. Because we're paying them, and it cannot be further from the oh truth. That's exactly God. what you're saying is that we exist to serve everybody else. Yeah, and I'm sure that will come out in the story. But what I want to get back into now is kind of just the story of of Hattie B's, of Nashville Hot Chicken, of your family lineage in the restaurant industry. I know it goes all the way back to your grandfather Gene Bishop. Yep. Um. So does it make sense to start sharing his story and how he kind of set your father up in the restaurant industry, which who then set you up in the restaurant industry? It's kind of got this chain reaction. Sure. Yeah. Um. It, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll kind of give a very sort of brief um, uh, run through of, of sort of kind of where he started, my grandfather, and, and then my dad, and, and both my dad's brothers were are, are still in the business. Yeah. We're in the business, and so, um, and I think my grandfather tried like hell to really point them down a different path because it's it's hard work, it's long hours, it's not glamorous. It's um, you tried talking your dad out of it, right? He tried talking me out of it. His dad tried talking him out of it. <laughs> and I'm trying to talk thousands of people out of it right now. <laughs> and I told people to yeah. stop. Uh, <laughs> That's the first thing you can do to help somebody out. Yeah, just don't do it. Yeah. Um, no, so my grandfather started with Morrison's Cafeteria back in, I want to say, the early 50s, maybe, mid-50s. Um, and was was started as a kitchen. Um, I mean, he was like a utility. He, he'd wash dishes. He'd bring out sides. He'd help clean up the line. Uh, and and worked his way up that company to CEO um, okay. by the late I want to say early eighties um, and all the way through I think he retired in kind of like mid nineties um, but the guy just 
is exhaust like he just will outwork. We can anybody. say the company era is Morrison's yeah. company that he worked out for with. Yep. I know he was CEO at that point. He was helping transition uh, the acquiring uh, Ruby Tuesday. So yep. like this is like executive level, high level restaurant tour lineage. Um, he set your so. Now talk about like because I know it was your dad's vision like because Hattie Hattie Bees was born or birthed in uh, Bishop's Meet and Three yeah I know and I'm, I don't mean to tell your story no no that's but that's it I know that he got set up and um, he broke away from Morrison's right like take it take us from there because I know your dad learned a lot what do you like, actually that's a great question yeah how do you think working in these corporate settings these these big settings help set your your dad and your grandfather up for success. Just kind of reflect on that real quick. Sure, sure. Um, and, and so to kind of further that, I, I have zero experience in corporate America, so I don't know that world. Me too. But yeah, and it's right. right? I'm yeah. thankful for yeah. it. Um, but I get it. And I was raised around, you know, he was in that world. Um, and I think, I think a lot of what has influenced and informed sort of our decision making and the way that we wanted to uh, create a restaurant and the environment and the family was like uh, not at odds with that but it was just sort of like this is ours we can do it our way and we don't have anybody to tell us how to do it yeah. but we do have a wealth of resources and knowledge from that experience um, and so you know my, my, my grandfather did he worked his way up at Morrison's to the point where he was running things um, they had a very they were very vertically integrated they had a, a china plant and they had a fish hatchery and a, they had a hotel chain like crazy shit where you're yeah. like why why are you doing that just serve the you know the lima beans um so why were they doing that do you know the answer i think that was just kind of the way business was done i think a, a lot of people thought if the more in-house i can keep it the better the profits will be and you know, better my margins are and better i have a, an idea of how things are but if you're in the restaurant business being the restaurant business if yeah. you're in the you know the china business being the you know i think this is exactly where your network is your net worth comes in yeah because you don't you can be the restaurant guy or girl right but it helps to know that person who's passionate about i don't know logistics or like transportation yeah you know or like this or that and then oh wait a second i have now i have an opportunity for this person that i know who's really good for that and i, I think the, the i personally think the, the the benefit and power in vertical integration is creating opportunity you know is giving verticals for people yep. literally yeah well and 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 absolutely i think he sort of started to kind of untangle this sort of web that they had created and just said like we're, we're losing focus of what got us here in the first place and so they would sell off the fish hatchery or, or kind of, you know, deassess this thing and, and and got back to sort of their core of not only Morrison's, but like now this allows us the opportunity to go look at a Ruby Tuesdays or some other brand. Uh, Sadie's uh, was the one that I remember. My dad worked at a lot. I remember sitting in the dining rooms of those were, were kind of some of my first experience in restaurants. Um, and so I think his reshifting the focus back into restaurants, not that we can't grow, but like Let's grow in this space mm. um, at a very large level, kind of informed even us of like, man, let's just do one thing and do one thing really fucking and well. I'm sure we're going to get into that, too. Um, but I'm curious why. So your dad, was he retired before opening Bishops? Is that what, what I remember hearing? Yeah, so he retired. So what had happened was we, uh, we lived in Birmingham, Alabama at the time. This is like 19. We moved there in like 85. Um, that was a great year. <laughs> wonderful year. Yes. To, to 1990, 91. And Morrison's did at that point uh, um, kind of spin off and create sort of a uh, healthcare contract sort of division uh, where they did universities, hospitals, um, large office buildings, kind of more of that contract 
uh, food uh, side of things, and uh, they they got the contract for a couple hospitals here in Nashville, and they asked my dad to go run that program uh, and help really grow it. And so we moved to Nashville in 1991. I think it was 10, 10 years old still, uh, 11 um, uh, or nine. Anyways, uh, yeah. um, and and so that was a totally different side of things from even like the restaurant atmosphere. Um, he did that until about 2006 or seven. Yeah. What well, run time was he opened bishops? Yep. Retired for like maybe six months and was like, nah, uh, found a cool little spot out in, 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 um, Franklin kind of cool Springs, which is a little suburb South of Nashville. Um, and yeah, they've been open for 12 years, which is pretty incredible for like a 50 seat restaurant. Yeah. I mean, they're right next door to the Chick-fil-A. Yeah. And part of the reason he liked it was like, look at all those people. Well, I think there's a the yeah, drive through like staring a, in this window. There's know? a really cool lesson in that. So, for, for, so first set the listeners up just a little bit better. Um, as far as so the location, um, he he, it was right across from a Chick Fil A. Uh, I was it like an exit strategy? Was somebody trying to get rid of the property, or was it sitting for? I can't remember exactly. I don't remember what it was. I wasn't really involved in that. I was doing my own. Yeah, thing. you were holdery at this point in your life. Uh, like, yeah, I was like twenty seven. Was like uh, twenty five. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah, so I did doing your own thing. I was doing my own thing, and um, but I was super excited about it because, again, I grew up on Sundays going to get an egg custard pie and black eyed peas and like fried chicken from Morrison's. And like the, these places were places where families would get together, people from church or people from the you know, baseball team or whatever. And it was like a community thing. Uh, you didn't get to know all the staff and like you just hear people's stories and like it becomes less about all the other stuff and more about the people that make it go. Yeah. And so I always enjoyed that, but I sort of was of the the mindset of like I'm not going to do that like find something where you can do that but not that yeah um, just to kind of compound on that point that you made earlier with uh, the Chick Fil A across the street um, he he recognized that there was always a line and that there was going to be people that there were going to be people that were impatient he knew that he could get the spillover and then retain the customers thereafter something that I picked up yeah. in the research uh, do you want to reflect on that yeah I just think it was in- it was an interesting. <laughs> I, I always find my dad's observations in, interesting, um, partly because I sort of think the same way and partly because there's some stuff where I'm like, how did you even think to, you know, I, I don't think it's like he had this big mastermind plan. I yeah. think he just is observant and really pays attention. And I think ultimately that's like way more important than whatever book of knowledge you come in with. Is yeah. like, let me know what the heartbeat and the pulse of my people are and like what is needed, uh, and so he just saw an op- opportunity of there's a bunch of people sitting in cars. This I had this idea for a restaurant, which was an extension kind of a Morrison's, just a kind of a condensed version. Yeah, I mean you go into Morrison's or you go into it's like the a, meat and three, but it's like on speed, like times a hundred. Yeah, there's like eighteen pies you can choose yeah. from, and like you know, and so it was just sort of like what's the what's the real meat and potatoes of all that, and and sort of. Um, Took just, the All Stars, consolidated yeah, the consolidated, menu, consolidated, did a daily menu, um, and then yeah, so he did that uh, with with some guys that still are and girls or women are still out there running bishops. Like that's the coolest part. That's is the people cool. that have run bishops. Some of them were there before me. Some of them are still there, yeah. and it's like thirteen years. Yeah, like that. That that to me is like. You're doing something right. Yeah. You know? That's the biggest testament right there yeah. is longevity of employees. If you have longevity of employees, that's your biggest, in my opinion, one of the biggest 
measures of success. That that's a testament right there for sure. So you came on in 2010, correct? Yeah. That's a great time to take our first break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs, and effective labor management is more important than ever to ensure your profitability and restaurant success. Trusted by over 400 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the tools you need to streamline labor operations, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll system you already use and trust like toast, turning labor into a competitive advantage for you and your business. To get three months absolutely free, head over to www.sevenshifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Get on it. All right, we're back, and you were just getting to the point now uh, on when you came on scene at Bishop's Meet and Three, uh, which is just south of Nashville. You came on board. Uh, you're 20. How old are you at this point in your life? You're 20, uh, 28. 28. Okay. Yeah. So what was? Yeah, wh- right. What were you doing before? I used to. I, I was in the music business for about six 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 years. Okay, um, I great worked, place to be. Yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun, and I, I worked for an incredible uh, label, uh, Oh Boy Records, um, John Prine's record label. Okay, um, who we lost in in March um, to to COVID, and oh. uh, has made Sorry. this time way worse than you know. It, it's it's been a really. Uh, Tough. I'm sorry that's sitting close to home for you, man. Yeah, um, and, and 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 incredibly close with their family and uh, their kids, and um, you know their their sons. What are our oldest? Him and his wife are are, are Hattie's godparent. You know, it's, yeah. we're we're very uh, close with them, and so that was hard. But I I really started in the mailroom, and oh boy, just because I had nothing to do then. You know, that was like I think it was I was at, I was at Belmont. I was finishing school at Belmont, like my sixth college. Uh, and I had to have a, a minor, and Belmont's known for music business. And I already had a job working at O'Boy, so I just went to my advisor and was like, "Look, this is more fruitful than any class I'm probably going to do. Can I get credit for this stuff?" And he was like, "Yeah, for sure." So we worked it out, and and and, and I had a great six years at O'Boy. I started in the mailroom and kind of sales, and um, slowly sort of worked my way up into where there was only five of us. Yeah, and. Um, we just sort of everybody did a little bit of everything. Okay. So I learned a little bit about booking, um, you know, and that was kind of something that I was interested in. And uh, but ultimately, oh boy, was not bringing on new talent. They were kind of like, "This is what we do," um, which I guess even saying it out loud is sort of like, "Well, we just do this and we do this well," you know. So, yeah. Um, it, I was interested in trying to find something that was really like on its way up and, and, and ascending and and, uh, and so a buddy that that worked at O'Boy with me we kind of went and managed a band for a year we had no idea what the fuck we were doing <laughs> um, that band was fantastic but just they were all over the place had a lot of other different obligations and so in 2010 after like a year of that um, I just said let's go do this until I figure out what's next. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't necessarily like in music. I didn't really care at that point. I just wanted to find something I was passionate about. And so I went, I started helping my dad, it freed him up a little bit. Um, 
and eventually him and kind of his business partner at Bishop's, is who's a great family friend of ours, uh, started kind of revisiting hot chicken mm. and like what it meant to Nashville that it was this thing that like was so important here, but nobody else really fully understood how big uh, a part of the culture it was. Like we grew up eating at Bolton's and Prince's. Like I knew those things. Um, what is the history of hot chicken? I was I was curious about that coming into this interview. Um, it started in like the forties, thirties, right? It, and it w- was was it Prince's or Bolton's? Is there is there yeah, a lot of there's. Uh, Drama. I, I don't want to. I don't get you in no, trouble. No, don't, deciding. don't. They already. I, I, yes. No. I want to stay above the free here. I, I, I think that the best story that is told. Again, I don't know what the consensus is, but the sort of common uh, origin story was that Thornton Prince Jr. Um, came home one night after out, out and about around the town doing things that I don't think his lady friend at home was uh, all too pleased with. Okay. Uh, she made him some fried chicken uh, when he got home and decided that she was so mad she doused it in cayenne. Oh. And, and she backfired. Him, she liked and it. He yeah. loved it. <laughs> yeah. And um, again, the, 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 the extent of the truth behind that, like it, some of it becomes folklore and it's even more fun just because like, yeah, that's it. And yeah. We roll with it. Um, but again, like, and it wasn't something that like Nashville really hung their hat on for the longest time. It wasn't like a, a, a sort, you know, but it wasn't like this sort of like, yeah, this is what, you know, this is our cheesesteak. This is our barbecue. Like, this is our thing. Yeah. And um, again, just sort of like we knew we made great fried chicken at Bishop's, um, playing around with different menu ideas. It was like, oh, let's try to do our own, you know. So we... We'd go to Bolton's or Prince's or 400 and bring it back to the prep table and throw it out and make notes and talk about it and what we liked, what we didn't like, and kind of evolve from there. So before the, the fried chicken came on scene, I mean, because that was 2010 that the fried chicken came on scene when you were on board too, right? And it was 2012, yeah. two years later before you guys opened Hattie Bees. Yeah. So I guess what I'm really interested in, what I know we can get some value from in today's conversation is if you, how, how you turn something that's a, just a hot, item on your menu and how you how you take that you see that as an opportunity to build a brand around that one thing yeah. right and to, to pull that thing out and just do one thing really well because i'm sure there's probably people out there listening to this who have that one item that that, that is that sells like 80 percent of their menu right yeah. and like why not just do that like one thing and just focus on that one thing so i mean what was that evolution like from being like okay let's just try what was even why why even try it was there was it just like oh let's just do this or was there somebody asking for it like how did this like mushroom into your life yeah, I, I, again, I think it was just sort of the, like, we'd sit down and talk about, like, well, what do we think about putting this on the menu? Or, like, what? I don't think we do a really great job of that. Like, let's ditch it, you know? Yeah. Or, like, we did liver and onions, and, like, people ate, like, that was, like, number one on Tuesdays. Like, people love that shit, you know? It's like, yeah. awesome, we'll keep it. Like, yeah. I, I'm, that's not my bag every week, but, like, you know, it's like, what, what, you know, what, what, what do people want? And, our, you know, tried and true, like, fried chicken just is going to be number you know number one and and we ran it every day yeah um and we got we had a lot of great compliments about the way it was seasoned and the way you know how the the crust on it and just a a lot of good feedback on something that not that we didn't put a lot of thought into but it's just like well that's fried chicken that's how you do it yeah that's how we do it so that's that's tennessee staple right that's how you do it so kind of taking that and going like what's something that's very southern because basically all Hattie B's is is like 
the most condensed meat in three. It's like the one meat. Yeah. And like, you know, six, seven really like southern staple staple sides for a meat in three. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm curious, was the fact that you had a Chick-fil-A across the street, do you think that's playing in on it too? Now that you have you have a, a menu item that is what that you can get across the street, but if that line, this is like 2010 when Chick-fil-A is blowing up, right? Right. right. So people don't want to wait a half hour for some chicken that they can get across the street, which is probably better. Yeah. No offense, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> um, but you know what I'm saying? Do you th- was that playing into it? Like giving, giving this, this competition across the street uh, some real competition and offering a chicken option? Was that kind of in the back of your mind? No, I don't think so. I mean, it, it may have been there somewhere um, subconsciously, but I don't think we ever did anything to to you know a, as a counterpoint to what Chick Fil A was doing. Yeah, I think it was more just like, God, they got a shit ton of people. Like, what are they doing? <laughs> yeah, it's so right. Yeah, um, and and look to their credit, like they do do a lot of things right. One and thing they, really well. Yeah, right. Yeah. And they do it really well. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, like like you said, maybe I don't know that maybe it was even like right there on the the, the front that we were thinking about it, but obviously it was there somewhere. Um, and so we just sort of came up with our own sort of blend that was pretty like, I didn't go to culinary school. Like, you know, like I didn't go to business school. Like I have good, I can taste things. I know yeah. it tastes good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've been around it so much that it's sort of osmosis on a lot of the stuff. Yeah. And so, um, we found something we thought was like super tasty, had a good amount of heat, but was like, not going to just like blow the doors off. Yeah. So that you could sort of like make your way into this thing and then it opens up like, well, there's a bunch of different heat levels. And yeah. Get it. And I think that's another lesson that we can pull from today's conversation too is that you guys really listen to your customers. Yeah. There's one thing I've noticed. You really, because they, they kind of helped you to steer you in the direction of creating your flavors. Isn't that part of the story? Yeah. I think, um, I think a lot of it was like, in the like, we sort of knew that we needed like a range between like a, and it's not, we hadn't gotten much more creative. Mild is still called mild yeah. and like hot. Um, one thing we found a lot with the hot chicken that we did eat was that like mild was hot and like medium was hot. Yeah. And it was just fucking hot. All <laughs> yeah. of it. Which is great. That's what it should be. Natural hot chicken. Right. Yeah. Um, but we also realized that like I may take my family out or like I've yeah. got an elderly person or like I'm, you know, I, or a I, kid that just yeah. can't handle like, it. I just can't eat hot today. Like yeah. I have that, you know. And so we really wanted to have distinct levels. So that you could kind of choose your Something own for everybody. adventure. Yeah. Um, and so it really all starts with just great southern fried chicken, you know? Yeah. But weren't the, weren't the customers like steering you and saying that that's too hot? And they're like, okay, we need, we need something else. Or like, Yeah, I think Shut the Cluck Up kind of came from that. was like, because well, we wanted to have something that was as hot as ever. That's your else, hottest right? flavor, Shut yeah, the Cluck Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, I think Damn Hot was our original hottest. And it's hot. So it's 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 southern chicken, which is just yep. breaded chicken. Then it's mild, yep. medium, hot, damn hot, and yep. shut the cluck up. That's it. Okay, gotcha. um, and shut the cluck up was fun. Like it was actually <laughs> a, 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 an employee who used to work with us, and she she was just uh, a, she had an uh, she had an opinion on everything, uh. and was really uh, incredible at like sort of the back and forth with guests. Yeah, before it got to be just like crazy busy, busy yeah. like you kind of just had to keep moving there's a little more of that like intimate and, yeah and she would just give people shit and <laughs> and uh i think we remember like her telling somebody to shut the cluck up and we were like keisha like you figured it out like <laughs> and so we like collabed with her and and, and really kind of uh made that sort of a staple of what we do and and uh 
and it's fun. Like it's just a it's a fun experience because there's something for everybody, and I think it's like part. I don't want to like gimmick it, but it's like part entertainment of like yeah. watching somebody try their best to, to <laughs> yeah. deal with this. You know, if they want to try, right? Yeah, yeah, I got you. So reflecting back at this time, so in 2012 is when you guys you opened Hattie B's, right? Yep. Um, take us from. Like, what was your role in in taking this menu item in in, in creating a whole brand around a menu item? Yeah. I feel like that's like that's where I want to focus today. So, like, what what advice can you give us around doing that? Yeah, you know, I, I feel like that like 2010 to 12 is kind of a a little fuzzier just because um, so much deep foundational stuff happened, um, and we were so in it. Um, that I don't know that there was any like light bulb sort of thing. It was at, like, what, at what point are we saying, okay, we should open another brand? When did that conversation? We, it was we, we put hot chicken on the menu at some point in eleven, I think, and within like three months, it was like thirty percent of our protein sales. Yeah, it was like country fried steak, nah, like fish almondine, nah. We're doing we're no, doing hot, hot chicken. chicken, and like you go out there now, and I bet it's I mean half the people in the dining room are eating hot chicken. Yeah. Um, and 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 once we realized like a this is the Nashville thing b this is a popular thing c i think we do a pretty damn good job of it it was like what my thing my motivation to be at, at bishops was so that my dad could not be there yeah or to you know to a certain degree yeah like go go and enjoy being retired and yeah. he, i'd still have to try to get him to to you know 10 I'm years blind. later right yeah. um but the whole motivation was like, I got this. You go and he, him going just was sort of him still sort of you know playing and in R and um, D and and so I think I think we felt good about the hot chicken that we were serving. That like, hey, we can hold our own. Like it's good flavor, it's good heat, um, and we knew service. Service was like is way more natural to me than the food part, right? The okay. people part. Um, but once we saw like that, their response was as popular as we th- hoped it might be. Because I'd always been getting back to what I was saying. I was like, we need to do another bishops. Yeah. You know, like we got to. You can't retire on just like one little meet and three and sleepy old Franklin. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so like, if we do another one or two bishops, which we think could be successful, maybe you can take some more time. And I, I got this, you know. And then at that point, it was like, well, do we want to do bishops, which is like, I don't know, 15 different proteins, and 30 different sides, and 10 different desserts? Or do we want to do, like, the heat of all that? Yeah. Literally, you know. Just, well, I mean, plus, I mean, just, just from the lessons I've learned on the show, putting all of your interest, instead of trying to do 20 things really well, yeah, put all that energy into doing one thing really well. Um, it's more scalable it's easier to train it's less expensive there's so many what are the other variables that come into play as to why it's so like the the, the impact of doing just one thing really well yeah I, I what you said um i think it's easier to, to train staff i think it's easier to um communicate messages you know with, um, amongst each other of like here's what we're trying to do and it's not like oh by the way like it's a fall menu or like hey we got eight different ones and now like it just makes it makes finding people that can help run and operate these things, um, n- not because it takes less skill, but it allows them to focus on what we feel like is super important and it's so missed is like this, the service piece and the people yeah. piece. And so it frees them up to be like, 
oh, I don't have to remember what the, you know, the, the, the lunch special is or like what new wine menu we've got. Like it, we got dope fried chicken yeah. and great sides and he cold was, beer. He was lean. It makes, it makes so yeah. much else. It just makes everything so much easier. Yeah. You know, it's it frees up the rest. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm curious. Um, at, at this time, I mean, you had Prince's, you had, what was the other, uh, Bolton's, Bolton's uh, were, 400 were like degrees, 400 degrees. What else existed in Nashville for like Nashville? Was it just those three or, or was there like, could you go anywhere and get Nashville fried chicken at this point? No, not, no. Um, there definitely, uh, were more, um, you don't need to name them all. No, like, I mean, like, I think, like, uh, 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 Barbara Mandrell. No, I'm, there was one that was, like, hotchicken.com, which was, like, in the 90s when, like... Dot com boom. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think uh, I'm, Bolton's and Prince's are the two. 400 was the one that I, I think Aki was really kind to us on the front end. We loved eating her chicken. She um, um, she was very welcoming and, and open to, to, to sort of... You know what we what we had to offer, um, but yeah, those are, I mean those are the, the, the like those are the two OGs. I guess what I'm I'm working towards is when it comes to like so you have these these brands that are known in Nashville as being the OGs, right? And then so you have this culture building around Nashville hot chicken, and there's just this opportunity. It just seems like there's this massive opportunity that, that there, there, there's this definite niche that's been identified that does well in this market, and nobody really leaned into it to scale it. You know, and mm-hmm. like I'm, what, what, were there any other attempts before Hattie B's? Because I feel like what Hattie B's did really well is they took a cultural thing and they and they just leaned into it, um, and they kind of married new age operations and branding and systems and cult, like like yeah. the what your 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 father and your grandfather learned working for these big corporations. Yeah. It took all that. Con- that, that discipline and control and systems and processes and put it into just, just this charming like staple within the community and like you took it to the next level you gave it the legs it needed you know to kind of go literally because right after you guys got into the, the hot chicken game I feel like that's when it blew up and went up nationwide yeah. you started seeing Howlin' Rays on the west coast you have you have Southerns in New Orleans you have uh, there's so many now there's been so many fry the coop in chicago is another one Mm -hmm. and they all come here for inspiration so and i feel like it was hattie b's that really kind of like took it national is that weird to say yeah uh yeah i don't i it's it's all it's something that i've always sort of uh grappled with because like i do realize um sort of the history behind hot chicken that it is a largely uh african-american a a dish that was created in the african-american community and that um, it's become such a big thing that you don't want the history of that to get yeah. lost in it all. Like people, people, I, I can't tell me people think that we started hot chicken, and I'm like, it's like the first. It's like no, 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 no. Like we we did not. Like we were like 50 years behind. You know, like we just. It, it wasn't even like we saw it as an. It wasn't an opportunistic thing. We just we knew how to make good food. We knew how to take care of people. It's an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, we did, but it wasn't the, the idea was never like Hattie B's Las Vegas. You know, yeah. like that never came through. It was like let's just do this one. And uh, the landlord that we've got at uh, the people own the building that we have in Franklin had a small. It was like a stakeout or like a what you know like the off the grill sort of thing right next to Vanderbilt. It was like twelve hundred, thirteen hundred square feet. Um, it, it was nothing. It was like a really shitty little spot with like six parking spots. 
But he was like, I'll give it to you for next to nothing. And it seemed like a good way to sort of like try something without going whole, you know, whole chicken, whole chicken into it. Right. <laughs> um, and, and so I think um, I, we had, our branding is incredible. Loaded for bear out of Memphis. Michael Carpenter is like the biggest homie. He knows I, he's got an eye better than anybody I've ever seen. And so we had a bunch of really like pretty bad names, I think. And I'll, I will blame my father for that. It was uh, <laughs> um, that we just kind of were like, no, nah, it's nothing. We kept going back and forth. And then a, a friend of mine kind of said, um, I said, Hattie B's hot chicken. I just kind of threw it out. Our oldest daughter uh, was one at the time, I think. And um, he was like, dude, that's got, that's it. And yeah. I was like, I don't want to put her name on it. I don't want it to be this thing where like, you know, it's a, I just, I want to keep those things separate. Right. Um, and he was like, all right, dude, but that's it. Yeah. What do you think? What was it? What's it about that? Hattie B's? Is it just because it's personal because it's family, it's a family name, right? It's your daughter's name, but it was, it was a name that was passed down to your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. It's family. Uh, it's, it's my grandmother, my dad's mom. Um, and, and my great grandmother, uh, Hattie Melba and, and Hattie hooks, uh, and, and our oldest Hattie bright. And, um, the family piece was big. I mean, it was a family business. We were kind of spinning it off from a family business. Um, but it just had a good Southern... I mean, it just sounded yeah. like a place, you know, it was like, oh, they, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, again, I wish I could say that... Actually, I don't wish I could say. I'm glad that it wasn't like this big think tank process that it was just really organic and like done with family and friends. And that's the way we're going to keep doing give a, it. I got to give a shout out to my boy in Chicago, Joe Fontana, past guest on the show. Love yeah. Joe. I love the name of it. And this is your time to shine, but we're talking about branding and fried chicken. Fry the Coop. Have you heard of it? Yeah, I have heard of it. Fry the Coop. It's good, man. Dude, like that's such a great name. <laughs> I don't know, just thinking about branding. But what what this this gentleman you're referring back to, the guy that helped you with your branding. Yeah. What was his name? Michael Carpenter, loaded for bear. What did he teach you about a good brand? Uh he's still teaching me, man. It's like it's like a and I think we just sort of like we're both kids of the eighties, like hip hop kids, kids that like grew up around sports and like love using sports references and, 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 and very much keep things in the family. And so it was this really great mix of this thing that felt in, in, in some ways looked old, but was so fresh and new that it was like, like, it's like when you see like shit that comes back from the eighties and you're like, Oh crap, that's popular again. It was like this idea of like this really old, cool thing that is, the, is the root of it. Right. Yeah. But like it's fresh and like, funny a little tongue-in-cheeky a little like he just he's always thinking about ways that we can sort of um have fun with what we're doing yeah Yeah, you know yeah that's cool so reflecting back at this now going back to 2012 well 2010 since you've been with the company 2012 with hattie b's reflecting back at your success uh biggest successes biggest challenges biggest lessons learned what what starts to bubble to the top of your mind uh Right now, aside, um, yeah, right. Uh, Before COVID nineteen, right? Um, that I've always sort of had, kind of a not always. It's probably amplified now, but like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I also do know what I'm doing because instinctually, like, I get things. I have a good gut, uh, uh, and I get people. Like, I, yeah. I, I just get sort of. Uh, that's what fascinates me, and so I don't. Like, again, I didn't go to business school. I didn't go to culinary school. Like, my approach is solely from a 
what's the heartbeat of this thing? How can we keep it going and healthy, you know? Yeah. So how do you do that? Yeah, I don't know. Is there, what do, do you, you have an answer? What do you mean? So you say, what is the heartbeat of this thing? What do you mean by that? How can I connect with as many of our people on a really personal and loving and empathetic and compassionate level, knowing that it may be for like five minutes a week? Yeah. Right? Well, how did you do it earlier on when it was more manageable, when you only had, say, two locations or one location? I, I get to spend a lot of time with these folks. And, and, and again, I think what has paid off so much from that is, like, this restaurant's run, the one we're in is run by two of the people that, like, I hired. And, and one of them being one of my childhood best you know, friends. Like, you just surround yourself with good people, and they sort of lift you up and make you, you know. Um, and so I think... I think for me is knowing that we've built this long lasting um, team of people that it, it is about Hattie B's and it's about growth and all these opportunities, but it's just about like a shared love for what we're doing and the belief in that like we're our sole purpose is to make people's lives better. It's it, great chicken's cool and that's a byproduct of it, but if I pour that into our staff they'll pass it on to the guests that come through these doors. So your sole purpose is to make people's lives better. How are you accomplishing that? How are you achieving that? What's that look like? Yeah. Uh, hard stuff that, you know, like the, the actual real tangible stuff. Um, I think the tip share program that we rolled out a couple of years ago um, after it was sort of passed through Congress, Congress in, in, in Tennessee had adopted it, uh, um, actually, all the states were in uh, allow for it, but we went to a seventy-five twenty-five tip share between front of house and back house. And I think when we did it, we sort of knew like this is a step, but there's more. And um, in the last six months, uh, not necessarily given the sort of state of affairs in the world, um, but just in the general sense of like we don't have guests in our building, so. The interaction between front of house, you know, it, it's it's it wasn't. It, this is this is a tough one, and and I know some of our folks will, will probably listen to this, and, and our, some of our front of house, it, it's been hard for them. We basically said we're taking money out of your pocket, but we're giving it to your teammates. Yeah, and so we went to a fifty fit. What well, we will uh, beginning of December, we'll go fifty fifty tip share split between front and back of house, and the i the thought the the genesis of it was. Again, sort of the greater good. Like, how can I help create a quality of life, a sustainable quality of life for as many of my people as possible? And so come December 1st or 28th, I think is what it is, uh, every single person in our company will make at least $15, tip share included. Um, And... I'm, I'm just so damn proud that's of that. That's amazing. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's a good thing. I think it's a change that honestly, frankly, needs to happen. Yeah. Because the back of house folks have been neglected for a long time. The quality of life, the, like, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, you, you need the team to accomplish it. And you, you should look at the, the restaurant holistically. And we haven't been looking at the restaurant holistically. No. We've been looking at it as front of house versus back of house. And we're literally creating divides between the two. Yeah. And it should be a team. It should be wholesome. It should be. It, what what's what's earned by everyone should be shared by everyone. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And right, I, we we have trouble. We're like, well, hard to hell. You know, everybody's got. You know, it's like, what's a good way? Because even saying like front and back is like you're right. You kind of separate these things, um, and it 
so much of the Hattie B's experience is like we, we're not full service, right? Like you don't have to know, you know, these special menus or separate, you know, things. And so, so much of it happens um, at the initial sort of like welcome, you know, welcome to Hattie B's. Nice to meet you. Um, and then when that food arrives and the experience you get, like eating that and sharing with your friends, and it's just like, man, if we all really are responsible for this sort of uh, the the product and the entertainment and the, the value that we put out, like we should all share that equally. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so, I, I just, you know, again, I, I hope, I hope, I think other people will do it. I know a lot of people can't do it because you know they're in places that that don't allow it yet, but. Uh, we're super proud of yeah. it. And yeah. I want to pull some more layers back on this. I think there's value here. This is clearly where you shine. You love the human side of things. You love the people side of things. Um, you said your goal is to make, and I love that as a mission statement. I don't know if it is your mission statement, but this, we exist to make the lives of people better. And I think that that's part of what Restaurant Unstoppable's mission statement is, is to teach people that your goal is to make people's lives better. And if you can do that, you'll be taken care of, right? Mm-hmm. So what else are you doing to, to exist and make people's lives better? You, you, that was a great example, the tip, the tip sharing. But what else? Like, what about like growth within Hattie Bees? How's that work? Yeah, that again, that's, it's, it's, it's so, um, I'm so grateful that we are sort of in control of that. Cause like, it means we get to sort of take folks and mentor them or like we can pick up little sparks that people show and go like, I can work with that. Or like, you got something. And, um, we are growing. I mean, I, you know, we've, we have three planned restaurants opening next year. I'm hoping maybe even a fourth if we can find a way to squeeze it in. But, um, you know, we're we're going to keep going. Yeah. And, and it's not going to be like, you know, I have no interest on being on every block or like having like 500 of these things. But I think there's a good sweet spot where like you can be a special place in each town you're in. Um, even if you're not from there, but because you create such a great sense of community that like people just want to go there, whether it's just like to grab a beer or like grab a quick snack or like take your family. And so, um, I think being able to clearly define pathways and opportunities for people, um, give them things, give them that carrot so that they are excited and intrigued to go. But you give them that carrot along the way because it keeps them engaged and really shows them that the work they're putting into it equals okay. opportunities. So there, there's some great advice here is giving, giving people that award or sorry, not the award, but the reward Yeah, um, as they're growing, as they're getting like in, in kind of a feeding that need of recognition, right? Of sense of belonging, sense of value, right? How do you, how do you go about doing that? How do you find that balance? How do you know, when to give people those doses of uh, is it serotonin that they're getting? I sure. believe. Uh, how are, how are you how are you managing that? How are you feeding their their souls while also keeping them on track? Like you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, absolutely. I I think again we've gotten to a point where I'm not frying the chicken or you know scooping this out. Like I can do it. I, yeah. I will do it. I ha- you know I'll, I'm sure I'll do it again at some point soon. Yeah. Somebody you know didn't show, but like it frees me up to go think about like the 30,000 foot, like what does this thing look like? How can we provide like, uh, and, and, and I've got such an awesome sort of team of people, uh, between our ops folks, our strategy folks, um, that help sort of create those paths. And then I just get to sort of pour in like, Hey, yo, have you read this book? Or like, Oh, Hey, have you listened to restaurant unstoppable? Like you get a lot of stuff out of it. Or like, Hey, let's go have lunch. Like, let's go grab a beer. Like, let's go, you know, like 
I just get to sort of um, it seems silly, but like I get to 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 um, get to know. I, I want to know more about like if you're going to be part of my family, I want to know about you and your family. So I think the, the big thing I'm, I'm getting out of this is you got to the point where you've been able to remove yourself from being in the business. The, the business is no longer dependent on you. It's dependent on the systems and processes that you've created into the business that you've worked into the business, For sure. Um, which frees you up to now focus on growing people. The the you know the the forming the the sculpting of individuals yeah. uh, giving them resources learning more about them feeding into their needs and their desires is kind of what I'm hearing from you yeah I, I think um, a lot of what uh, I get to do is just sort of and I, I even like don't want to like I'm not I don't think of myself as a mentor but I get to sort of go well here's how we did it and I don't know if that's right for everybody but like my I think one of the coolest things about Hattie B's for me is seeing somebody that grew up with us or that kind of found their way with us go on to do their own thing. Mm. I get so much, like, more so than I do, like, a, oh, we hit, you know, this in sales this week. Like, eh, whatever. I, you know, that's, that's great. I'm thankful. That yeah. allows that, that allows the other things to happen. Yeah. But, like, oh, you're, you cut a, a new record and it's fucking incredible. Great. Or, like, you want to go open your own restaurant? Awesome. I hope you learned, you may not have learned, you, you know, your culinary skills and habits, but you learned how to work with teams and work with people from different backgrounds yeah. and, and, and come together and as a team and create this, this thing that is really special. And so I get like, that to me is like way cooler than uh, a fucking award or a, you know, a, all of it. For sure, man. Yeah. So if there's one or two things that you can narrow it down to, right? Reflecting back at since 2012 now, eight years into this, that Hattie Bees has done really well that we can replicate in our own businesses. What are those things? Uh, take care of your people and take care of the, your guests. Um, you know, serve good food, but if you're doing this, you should be doing that anyways. Paint um, a picture of what taking care of your people looks like. You already mentioned the money, like, you know, making yeah, sure everyone's yeah. that we're spreading the wealth. What else? I think understanding that, um, everybody's got stuff that they're going through. Like, right. Like me, our fry cook, our prep cook, our server, like everybody's got their own thing. And so to be in tune with like those, those things to know when to ask like, Hey Eric, you doing good today, man? Or like, what's up with you? Or like, you seem to be able to have, we call it constant gentle pressure, CGP Yeah. of that. Just sort of like, I'm going to stay on this so that I don't, so I don't lose sight of it, but also so that I keep you on track too. Um, and so, you know, like we have, we have an incredible benefits package. Like we do really, you have, do you have systems for staying on it? Uh, CGP is the, the most like, it, there's no, like I can give you a formula for how, it's just like, uh, is it just a, something you work into your culture? Is it, it's a, yeah, a language thing. Yeah. Like, you, and how how do you bring this back to the surface? How does it stay top of surface? We talk about it a lot. It, it, we talk about it a lot. We do it with our own. Like, I do it with my guys. You know, we do it with our managers. Our managers, like, right? Like, it's I, it happens to me. Like, if somebody needs something from me, like, they're gonna, you know, if they got to do it over the course of a week, but like, eventually it gets through. Like, it, it's it's something we all can can respond to yeah um and so i think it's just such a thing like it's second nature like we're yeah. always we're sort of pushing the like i'm not calling you out i'm not telling you you're doing a bad job but like 
here's how we do it, and like we're going to do it that way. And if we do it that way, it's easier. It's not correcting the person. It's correcting the system. Yeah. And it's correcting the process. It exists outside that This person. is the process. Yeah. This is how it needs to be done. This is how you're doing it. We're not correcting necessarily you, but the way it's being done isn't right. Yeah. So we got to bring it back. This is the picture of perfection. Yeah. Um, we're open to changing that. Oh, you know, like yeah, as long, sure. but until we all agree that this is the new way to do it, this is how we're this is how it. we do it. Now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, anything we haven't touched on, anything that you know that Hattie B's is just like the golden the golden standard of like this, or one thing we know like that you're just proud of. I mean, you already mentioned taking care of your people. You mentioned doing one thing really well. Um, as far as business goes, as far as operations goes, as far as something that if somebody's listening to this right now and they're in the they're, they just launched their first restaurant, they want a nugget, you know, something a nugget that's going to help them be more successful. Like, what's that thing that you got? Uh, no thing is there. There is no small thing. Yeah, like it, I, I know. It's I'm, true. I'm sure most people, you know, but like it's I, a bunch of little things that it, compile. It, it's you know? a, it, right, and if I miss the little things, I remember I have very vivid memories. <laughs> of my dad doing this to me, but because his dad did it to him, my grandfather will walk in at Hattie B's and he'll get a, a legal pad and he'll walk around and like pick out all the shit you did wrong. There's a light bulb out. There's a spider web there. And I remember one day I was opening Bishop's. I'll never forget it. It was, uh, it was like noon or something. We were open. Restaurant was full. You know, whatever. And I get a text from my dad and he's like, you going to open the restaurant today? And I was like, what are you talking about? We're open. He was like, well, turn the open sign on, son. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, that didn't, and nobody was like, oh, they're not open. Yeah. But like, it's just the, it's like if you, if you, if you pay attention to the small details and the little things, yeah. the chances of the big stuff of slipping up on you is like less. So what are the things that you, that you can do in your restaurant to make sure the little things are being taken care of, that they're not being overlooked? How do you make sure the open sign gets turned on? Yeah, you know, I think having AORs and, and, and areas of responsibility for people to, to really focus uh, and hone their craft. What is an area of responsibility? It, for us, it's what we tell, like, we've got typically three to four managers at each store, and, and we kind of go like, hey, Eric, here's your thing. and Or like, what, what's the thing you're interested in? You know, what, what, we'll find a way to kind of meet, um, and whether that's ordering or inventory or AP stuff or simply sort of the, the vibe of the restaurant. And so... I think it allows people to own certain things and, you know, they might not own the restaurant, but they can own certain things. A piece of it. A piece of it. Responsibility, a sense and, of... Yeah, and yeah. I, I, think it, I think it allows them to take some pride in that to go like, well, I'm, I know I'm doing this, so if something's not, you know... Um, but, like, I just... I'm, like, neurotic about, like, little things, like dust on stuff and light bulbs out. And so I think it's cool when you walk into a restaurant... And I know that somebody's looking out for that and that I'm going to go look for those things, but I'm not going to find them because somebody's going, I know, I know what, how junior thinks, you know, or I know what he thinks or again, cause it's just like, if I don't miss the little things, the chances of me missing something big are far, far less uh, we found. So, yeah, I love that. Um, so oh. I want to kind of lean into this. This was areas are, what do you call it? The AORs? Area? Yeah. Areas of, uh, of, of responsibility. Of responsibility. Yeah. So, do you, I mean, I mean, it seems pretty straightforward. Are you just kind of basically assigning roles, specific duties to people? Yeah, and it's not necessarily like you do all the ordering, you do all the you know inventory and AP work, you do all the scheduling. It's sort of like you may do the back of house schedule, I may do the front house schedule, and you may do the food truck order, and I may do the beer order. You may you know, it gives everybody a little taste of like what 
because you got to know all that stuff yeah. to, to run a restaurant. So it's it's a little education in each. So it's kind of just like writing a, a list of all the things that need to get yeah, done, and, and then it up. then putting a name next. Yeah, to it. divvying it up. Um, and and a lot of the times, our GMs are folks that have been with us so long and have worked their way up and done all those things that their job is to sort of do more delegating so that they can zoom out and look at well, what does next week look like? Yeah. Like I got people on vacation or I got people sick or yeah. whatever. Um, and it, and it helps keep that pipeline growing of managers that know how to yeah. run a restaurant. Absolutely. Yeah. So we haven't really talked about how you guys have scaled. I just want to get into that real quick. I mean, uh, 2006 was your second location. Sorry. 2016 was your second location. 2012 no, was 14, 2014. And that was within Austin, right? Uh, here. Okay. Nashville. Sorry. Yeah. No, no you're I'm, I'm driving to Austin. <laughs> we're in Nashville. Me. I apologize. Uh, th- we're uh, in the second location. This That's this one. Okay. Yep. Okay. This is the second location. And the third location came after or before the, the outer, out of the state locations? Uh, Birmingham, Birmingham, Melrose, Memphis, Atlanta. I think that's right. <laughs> we do have a publicist sitting Sorry. in the corner over here. <laughs> <laughs> She's more of the timeline uh, help. I'm, I'm she has been amazing. It. Her name's Amy. I'm going to throw it out there. Don't worry. She's been so helpful. Shout uh, out Amy Corley. She's awesome. She, and she knows, uh, she knows the, the, the timelines really well. Yeah. We'll give her that. So um, I guess the question is, how did you know you were ready to scale? Uh, the second one was easy. We loved, like, again, growing up in Nashville – in, in enjoying like uh, I've never been like a country music like honky tonk I just don't I don't care at, at all and so like Be careful saying that yeah I know I'm sorry uh, I, I like there's plenty of country music that I like but there's most of it I don't anyways uh, sh- this this street right here was like full of like that's one of the older meat and threes in the city okay. uh, Wendell Smith that's Bobby's Dairy Dip which is an ice cream burger joint that's been here for 50 years um there's incredible Korean food and Vietnamese food down, you know, two blocks down the street. Um, yeah, sorry. Um, I, we just loved sort of like the vibe, the, the, the culture that already existed here. And this was a old crystal, uh, hamburger, uh, restaurant. And, uh, we, uh, we just, we just, we actually, we were, we were going to go down the street to kind of a newer development. And we found out about this from a friend like right before we, we knew we wanted to be over here and we came and saw it and we were just like, yo, that's it. So what what determines your growth? I guess, how do you know, like what, what's, what's making you want to say we're ready for to get bigger. We're ready. How do you know the timing's right to go to that next location? Yeah. Um, it's more than this, but we just sort of know, like there is no metric. It's like, is your team, is your team there? Like, cause we can't do it without the team. Yeah. So it's like, let's build that team up so that we can take on this next round of growth. And so having come from Birmingham, having lived there, um, have, a, ha- we have a lot of family still there. That seemed like a natural sort of like next step. Um, so that was number three. And then number four was back here in Nashville. So number, so I'm, I'm picking up scaling when your people are ready. Um, scaling where you have roots. Is that playing into it at all? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't... Um, let's prine on. Um, it wasn't necessarily like, let's stay in the southeast or let's like sort of build out. It was just sort of like, what are we familiar with? Where do we think this will play, right? Like, uh, it's still a very southern thing. Um, and so 
Birmingham just seemed to feel the most comfortable. Kind of thought Birmingham was sort of growing and, mo- and moving up. It's got a really cool food scene down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Atlanta was really like, I think Atlanta was probably the first place we were like, we should, when we're ready, let's, 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 let's see what we can do there. But we spent two years looking for the right spot. Like, what made Atlanta so appealing for you? It's, it's southern. It's huge. Uh, uh, Incredible food scene, great culture. Um, I, I've always loved Atlanta. I'm a Braves fan. Yeah. Uh, I love. I, I used to go to shows there, like visit friends. It was close to Auburn, which is where I started school. Um, my our family lived there before you know before the kids came around. But uh, my dad and his family, you know, my dad grew up outside of Atlanta for so, you know some part of his childhood, and so roots there too. But like, it was a real. I think it, for us, it was sort of like, well, that's a that's a real big city mm. right or like the closest real big city yeah um and so if you can make it there like maybe you know and uh we we were we we've always probably to uh a certain degree take too long to pick spots yeah but it's so important to us to like help set that vibe that like this is we can make it our own um and and we don't want to be like the end cap in a strip mall it, those that's all well and good that wasn't who we wanted to be Mm -hmm. is there anything we have not discussed up to this point as far as what it is that makes hattie b's hattie b's you know anything along those lines or any as far as what got you to where you are today key things that you do well or or anything that's just near and dear to your heart right now that you want to get out that you think needs to be discussed for the sake of the industry like think something that you think aren't i mean what i'm trying to do with this podcast is bring the industry together to share information so what 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 do you think needs to get out uh, I thought about this the other night. Actually, I think about it a lot. Um, I I talked to a, a therapist I have for years. I think it's like go do it if you don't, um, and if you do, keep doing it. But he said something to me like a month or two into COVID, and we're doing like Zoom kind of thing, and and he was like, I truly believe, and he was like, I'm not saying this for your purposes or like blow smoke up your eye. Like I truly believe that restaurants and sports will like help save whatever you know, this, this sort of broken society that it seems like we're living in right now. I think so too. If it's the one thing or the few things that we need, I mean, I think, I think we're technology is very much <laughs> technology, fine. technology is very much like it's meant to bring us together. It's meant to make, be more convenient. It's meant to do all these things, but at the same time, it's, it's driving us apart. Mm-hmm. You know, we've never been so connected and so displaced at totally. the same time. Um, and I agree with you at that, that same time like, because we need food. It's one of those things we can't upload sustenance. Yeah, it's, it's an, can't you know, like, we can the, yeah. by eating, but we can't do it digitally. Right. Yet. You know what I mean? So we still rely on each other to a certain degree. Um, and I think other than where we get our food is probably the, the only thing we still really rely on each other. Back 10,000 years ago or 10,000 years to like, I don't know, the past couple hundred years ago, it was we were dependent on community and family you know now it's church and state or government i'm sorry like government and uh market you know that's what we depend on we don't need neighbors anymore we don't need family anymore yeah we can survive without it but the thing is we still we still do need it our our souls needed our our oh yeah our like you know our inner workings still i need it because i need it but i also need to have the high we need to be recognized we need to be seen we need to be loved look at maslow's hierarchy of needs it's food and shelter that's it 
above that, it's all in, it's all human relationships, but it's all engagement, it's all personal growth. Yeah, and we we need each other for all those things, you know. Um, and I I agree one hundred percent that the, I think the restaurant industry is going to not only my, I think the restaurant industry is going to change the world, like you said. Like you know, it's not just going to like my mission is to change the industry, and in changing the industry, it could, will change the world. Yeah, you know? yeah, and it like it took me a minute because I'm like you know I'm I'm sort of that like. I get that a little bit of imposter syndrome or I get a little bit of like you're what you're doing is not as important as what other people are doing. But the, the environments we create and the culture we create for our staff are more broad and diverse than just about any collection of people in the city. And our dining rooms are full of those same people that are, you know, it's the judge and the guy that works in the, the glass factory across the street or the prison guard or the, like, you know, the person who works at the pharmacy. Like, the biggest joy I get is walking into a full dining room, which, again, it, 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 you know, God, it's been, feels like forever. Uh, and seeing a room full of people from all over the city, from all walks of life, from all religions, uh, backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, uh, and, and, and coming together for fried chicken like yeah. that's fucking cool it is cool I man it. i love it too um we i'm i'm trying to be better i've been bad about this i wasn't gonna go to the speed round but i should leave a spot to talk about how you guys responded to covid19 uh what do you think the future of the industry looks like um how you plan to come back stronger uh after this is there a strategy in place yeah i think for us um i'm i'm so grateful that our to-go business has always been uh pretty yeah. strong yeah you guys are pretty covid not covid proof but covid resistant yeah 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 i mean i you know having a lot of friends uh and and seeing what they've had to do to adapt and and pivot is like it's hard but it's also super inspiring that like we've got incredible chefs here that are like making cheesesteaks and like at-home pasta kits and like the best pasta you've ever had like in your house from this you know james beard finally chef like would never have happened if this so like yes it's awful but i do think there's some really neat stuff that has come out of it i agree but by people that are going i don't know but i'm gonna figure it out we've been Um, forced to change we've been forced to evolve we've been forced and we were being told we can't all the all the ways you were doing things to get by like those are no longer an option you've got to get creative and the solutions were already here not many people reinvented things to or right. invented things in the first place to like all the solutions for what we needed to survive COVID-19 were in place before COVID-19. We just were forced to start using that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it makes me wonder sometimes if this whole thing is just like a way to kick society into like a new like level of operation. Like I wonder, I'm not a conspiracy <laughs> theorist, but like there are some people that could have projected how the reaction and could be very to come out on top. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm not throwing out any, I'm yeah. just saying like, um, but you know, I do agree with you that like it, you know, it forced us to slow down. It forced us to do some self reflection yeah. It made us mortal. Mm-hmm. Oh shit. We could all die tomorrow. Right. Oh man. Like what, what, like, you know, like it makes you kind of stop and think and get perspective, you know? Yeah. And I, and, and again, like I think I, I just feel uh, lucky that we, um, we exist in a space that like it's it's value driven it's it's uh it's a a lot of food for a a, a fair price um it's very inclusive we make you feel good whether we're just seeing you through plexiglass or you're in in the restaurant um and it just is one of those things where you're like i want some fried chicken right now i I think it also helped us you know help us realize what we had 
Yeah, for you sure. You know, and you don't realize what you have until you don't have it any longer, you know, and yeah. then you want it again. But uh, I love this conversation, man. Uh, I really do appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with me today. Uh, we're going to take one more quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. You've been hearing it a lot on the show lately. Plate IQ. Find out why Plate IQ is the most intelligent and quite frankly, the most intuitive way to remotely manage your accounts payable. With the new spend management feature, you can issue virtual or physical cards directly, or you can even connect your existing corporate cards to get visibility into historical and real-time card activity. And when you're using that virtual card, you can get up to 1% cash back. And I haven't even mentioned all the insights you can get with Plate IQ Insights. You can compare spend by item, vendor, time, period, location, and the list goes on. You can get alerted if a price is outside of your contracted terms. You can get access to a hot list of real-time price changes, and you can even categorize your spend analysis. And I know we all have to pay bills, and it sucks to pay bills, but it sucks a whole lot less with Plate IQ's bill pay feature. You can see what is due when. You can schedule payments. Payments by check, ACH, or card. And man, how user-friendly is that calendar for scheduled pending and paid invoices. Plus, you can hold on to your flow. No money leaves your account until it is received by vendor. Here is your call to action. Head to www.playiq.com slash unstoppable. That's play like the thing you eat off of. IQ like your intelligence dot com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, you'll get 25% off implementation. Head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable to find out why Toast POS is the number one recommended POS on the show by a landslide. So there's a bunch of reasons why Toast is being recommended on the show, but I'm finding the most common reason is because of their customer support. And now, while I don't think you'll need their customer support all the time... when that Friday night rolls around and there is a question you have and you're busy, you're going to wish you were able to get right into that customer support and they will be there for you. Uh, the other reason why Toast is always being recommended on the show is because of how many other platforms integrate with Toast. So you can literally marry all the technologies in your company together. They'll, they'll work together. They integrate together and you can turn on these additional features as you need them. It's like flipping a switch. It's that easy. So that's why I love toast. That's why my guests love toast. And again, if you want to learn more, head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, I'll send you a check for a thousand dollars when you become a customer. We're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success. It's a strength. Uh, I care to the point that like I take it home with me. Mm. Uh, I don't know that it's a strength for well, my... The next question is, yeah. what is your biggest weakness? That, that it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, I do my best. I've gotten better at sort of keeping those things separate, where like my attention here needs to be here, my attention to my family needs to be there. Um, but there's been plenty of, you know, phone calls at 2 a.m. because we had a break-in or like yeah. you know we, we lost a staff member a couple weeks ago and, and, and that sorry. was really tragic yeah. and hard so um, uh, I, I give a shit to the point where it can be crippling at times but it's a good uh, it's a yeah. good fault to have. Yeah. Take it. I, it's, it's, they, they say in it, it's already one's way that I, I've definitely seen a correlation after ever since I think it was in his first book um, how to build a great business, a lap, a lapsed anarchist approach to building a great business. 
you said that your your greatest strengths are oftentimes your greatest, greatest weaknesses. weaknesses. Yeah. yeah, and it's uh, it's they, like they are strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, it's like yeah. taking time for yourself. Like, oh. yeah. Uh, what is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're building your team when you're when you're interviewing somebody? Like, what are you looking for in that person? Actually, this is something that I learned from Brian Morris. He's like our director of culinary and does a bunch of really cool stuff. Um, uh, he, he wears a lot of hats for us, but. Uh, he likes to ask people uh, what 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 gets them going, like outside of mm. work or restaurants. Like, what's your thing? And people that have passions outside of of this is like those are people that I can work with because you know that they can at least like people are like oh you know I just like to you know, it's like nah man I need you to I like just want a fried chicken yeah man, yeah you're like <laughs> like I, w- I want you to be fired up about something yeah if you want to say fried chicken great if you want to say you know classical music even better because. Yeah. You've got that ability to sort of like to when grow. When I was young, I'm pretty sure I didn't get a job because they asked me that question. Yeah, and I was sure. like, I want to work. Yeah, I was like, I just want to work all the time. I need to make money. Like, I want to work. I would hire. And I was like, I thought that was the, the right answer. Yeah, right. Like, uh, I, don't think, I think he was like, we we have a softball team. We do all. This. I was like, no, I just want to <laughs> fucking work, man. Um, and I reflecting all the answers I get, I'm like, oh, I should have definitely said I'll yeah, play softball. Right, right. Share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your teams. It's a way to be, a way to act. Uh, one code of conduct. Um, I, I think smile and hustle is like at the heart of it. Um, I'll take that smile and hustle. Yeah, I mean, I hate to keep going back to it, but it's like it's really at the. There's a reason why you made it a foundational thing for yeah. yeah, and it's like it, it, it informs so many other things. So. What's one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So this is something that's common within the four walls of your business, but not common throughout the industry as far as how to go above and beyond. Uh, I don't know that it's uncommon, but I think in our respect, it's like we see so many people a day. Um, we can feed you know upwards of a thousand people at you know our restaurants in a day, and it's like make it a point to try to recognize a face or a name or uh, you know to where when you see them again like they feel special especially in a sea of like you know 100 people in line yeah exactly um, it's like, hard to do we, we, we straddle the we feed a bunch of people that are visiting Nashville and tourists and we also feed a lot of locals and yeah. it's like take care of the locals and give these people that are visiting a great experience I love it yeah. uh, what is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner um I thought uh, the, the Infinite Game by Simon Sinek is uh, the Infinite Game. Yeah, must read. The dude is on it, and it, that's his latest book. I'm that's pretty his sure. latest right. book. In it, uh, we actually saw him at the Welcome Conference last year, um, and really was just moved by by, by kind of his his talk, and uh, went and bought that book, and and and, and kind of gone back through and, and and read some more of his stuff, but. Uh, What's the biggest lesson from that book? Just the idea that like it's it, it, Hattie B's is so much bigger than me at this point, right? Like it never was about create me. something bigger than yourself. Yeah, that, something that like if you were to go away, it could still breathe, live and breathe because you tended to it well, and there's people left to tend to that thing yeah. well, you yeah. know. And, and I think it's the idea of, of what why it makes sense to you create something that's an entity, like like an LLC is a, a legal entity, right. right? Your business should be an entity that exists beyond you, which is why you give it a purpose, yeah. Which is why you give it a mission, put, yeah. You put which all which is why you give it core values, yeah. Which is why you give it systems and processes right. and procedures. It's not for me. So when you die, yeah. It can go on without you, yeah. right? And yeah. I, I haven't read the book yet, but I'm assuming he touches on that stuff. It's about that, and it's just like, if we're playing for profits, if we're playing this game for, for profits and to hit you know, P 
P&Ls. And, and, like, those things are important. They allow you to sustain the business. But you have to be about something bigger than that. Soul. You know, there's got to be a heart and a soul to it. and Which probably ties into his first book, Start With Why. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so oh, I don't know if that was his first book, but his one of his... his yeah. Preceding book, yes. Uh, also, leaders eat last is another. That's great exactly book right, and and, and and he's just he's been a wealth of knowledge for our group, our leadership group, because uh, he just speaks really in ways that like it's just good life stuff. Like, yeah, you know, I love it. Uh, what is one thing you feel restaurateurs do well enough, or sorry, don't do well enough, or often enough? Uh, I don't know. I don't even think of myself as a door half the time. So, um. Uh, um, take themselves. I think they take themselves too seriously, and I think they uh, um, don't. Um, I just say take themselves too seriously. It's like it's hard to work for somebody when it's all about them. Yeah, and I've had bosses like that in the past. You know, you've worked in like restaurants or kitchens, like you know, like, get, get your ego out of the way. Yeah, like I, I just I never have been. We all have that and need it fed in some ways, but yeah. like, I I intrinsically know that I'll do better, I'll feel better, I'll grow more if we all do better, feel better, and grow more. I love it. And so it's a sort of self-serving, but in a non-sort of direct way. I love it, man. Um, so these next two questions, I'm looking for referrals, basically. So the first one is like an organization you've outsourced, people who do something really well, like a human organization, you know, and yeah. the other one's like a technology that you've outsourced. So the first one, what is one service you've hired or outsourced to? Yeah, I actually thought about this last night because I did kind of see what, you know, the, the speed round questions. Yeah. Um, and we met with them yesterday. They're awesome dudes uh, here in Nashville. Uh, Mesa is the name of their company, company like table. Okay. Um, and they make furniture. They do, nice. uh, they do, uh, they do beautiful furniture for homes, and, you know, but they do do commercial stuff, restaurant stuff. And they, are they restricted to the Nashville area? Or the uh, no, I, I think they, like, they work with us and Slim and Huskies is another one here in town that, um, They've grown outside of Nashville, but like they opened one in Sacramento like two months ago, and I think Mesa did all the so they'll do it. Yeah, um, that's Mesa. Spell that for me. M E S A. Like right. like table. Mesa, you guys are table. gonna get some love if you're interested they're, in sponsoring they're, they're, the show too. I'll, uh, I'll talk yeah. to you. Uh, <laughs> and then technology is that what the yeah? Other the one? next question is what's one technology you've adopted within your restaurants? Man, I'm so bad at this, and we're bad at it because we like sort of purposely like remove. Um, but I do, and I do know that they're a sponsor. We use Toast. Yeah. Um, and I will say that the curbside function in their Olo system has been super helpful. I mean, you'll see we got, what, 50 parking? It's like yep. the biggest parking lot in Nashville at this yeah. point. And uh, we've been able to utilize a lot of them for curbside during this. So uh, shout out to Toast because it's, uh, and it's something we'll yeah. keep you know, beyond this. Toast is technically uh, an affiliate right okay, now. Okay, great. And I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, they've been great. They've been really taking care of me. Uh, with all that's been happening, a lot of people have been forced, like we talked about, to update. The technology was there. The ability to do this stuff was there. Uh, Toast is giving me $2,500 for every new restaurant that signs up. So if you guys are um, listening to this and you need to upgrade your POS or you're looking to get into a restaurant and you need a POS, go to Toast Tab dot com slash unstoppable and you have to use that link <laughs> in order for me to get credit for the referral and i'll also split my commission with you and send you a check for a thousand dollars let me know who else is doing that yeah no one yeah. so Ace, please yeah. use my links help me out and you're helping yourself out and you have to you cannot don't go to toast 
com right now. Don't do that because you'll land on their radar and they'll know that they'll think that you you got there some other way. You know that it was our boy Nick that sold you on on toast. So make sure you go to toasttab.com slash unstoppable uh, and shoot me an email, Eric at Restaurant Unstoppable, when you do so I can thank you. Sorry. I do gotta, it, I got to do these yeah, things. I got to keep the lights the on, man. Home, yeah. Right? yeah. So, all right. This is the last question, and I appreciate you for being on the show today. And so the last question I have for you is, if you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy. What would those three pieces of wisdom be? Oh, man. It's a tough one. Is that not on the... I thought you looked at these questions. I did, but like, I mean, <laughs> it's deep. Um... It may take me a minute. Surround yourself with good people. One. People smarter than you, people whatever. Like, Just surround yourself with good people. Funny, empathetic, caring, curious people. Awesome. Um, don't continue to do stuff that you don't get fulfillment out of. It's two. Life is short and hard. Do what you love. So have fun and do yeah. what you love. Uh, three. Um, don't uh, tell people tell people how you, be open I'm, I'm an open book I, 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 hear, I hear you talk about that a lot yeah. about how you are um, and it kind of ties into the, the first one but like don't leave anything on the table man like like, like if you feel something follow it yeah. you know tell somebody you love them if you love them and it's just like Life, again, life is, is short, and, and you only have so many opportunities to get it right and do it right and make an impact. And so I don't think anybody's going to remember me as, for my culinary uh, Shazam, but like if, if, if there are people that someday go, man, he, I can't tell you what it was. He just cared more, and he made me feel like I was important, um, you know, take time with people and, and pour yourself into them but also like take time for yourself yeah you know that's the back end of that like yeah. if I'm going to give you my undivided attention I'm going to take the time to fill myself up too I love it man I love this conversation thank you so much for taking the time to share your story uh, the, the Hattie B story and to share your knowledge we wrap up every interview by calling somebody out so who's one independent or you know I mean I'm trying to be better I used to only look for independence but I've learned through the show that not all corporations and franchises are evil. So it's true. you can go in that direction too yeah. if you want. Who's somebody you respect and admire and want to recommend on the show? Uh, I actually thought about this one, um, and, and he is a dear friend. He's a wonderful human. Uh, he's an incredible chef. Uh, Andy Little from Josephine okay. here in Nashville. Him and his wife, Karen, who is, uh, is the psalm over there, uh, run a beautiful restaurant that... Um, I go in and I see the same faces that I've seen for the last five, six years. Like they, they on a much more tight, uh, scale do things in a lot of the ways that like I admire and I want to do. And they create this sense of family and purpose, um, behind it. It becomes more than the food. Uh, so Andy little, he's a funny dude. We, he's a golfer. So we fall in love with sort of that together. And, uh, uh, I think he's a, he'd be a fun time. Andy Little, look at him coming after you. I'd love yeah, to get yeah. you on this show. And uh, how can the folks connect if we want to come maybe join the team? Uh, I know you guys have a bright future ahead of you. What's the best way to connect? Yeah, we're HattieB.com. Go to HattieB.com. There's a link up top for jobs or careers about. Um, um, 
All of our handles are Hattie B. And that's H-A-T-T-I-E-B, correct? Yep, no S, no apostrophe, none of that, just Hattie B. Um, yeah, come see what we're up to. Awesome, we're, 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 we're coming, coming for you. Nick, thank you so much, man, for taking the time to share, again, your story, your knowledge, and your mentorship. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank you, Eric. Thank Lots you. fun. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Nick Bishop Jr., my man, thank you so much for coming on the show, for sharing your story, for sharing your family's story, for sharing the Nashville fried chicken history story. <laughs> um, it was great. It really was. And it's it's crazy to think how many, I think well, at least one, two, three, four hot chicken concepts. You would be the fifth hot chicken concept I've had on the show. And to think that uh, you are one of the, the earliest concepts out there that, that saw an opportunity. When you see one thing doing really well, you can create a whole brand around it. And I think that you and your father were really like you, you didn't you didn't invent the Nashville hot chicken, but I feel like you elevated it and you took it to the next level and you inspired a lot of other people to do the same thing. And it was cool to get your story, to get that, that, uh, the culture that you guys have, the emphasis on people and on those relationships, um, is just so important. And, um, knowing when and how to scale came out of today's conversation too. lots of great stuff to take from today's conversation. But I think the, the, the obvious takeaway is pay attention to what's performing well on your menu and just do what you do best even better and lean into what you do best and find those unique selling propositions and you can create entire brands around it um really cool stuff uh before i say goodbye to you today guys i want to remind you to please support my sponsors if you support my sponsors you support the show right now we have toast seven shifts and plate iq sponsoring the show all great companies all sponsoring the show because my guests are recommending them and i want to help connect you my listeners with the most trusted brands out there these are those brands use my links support my sponsors if you support the sponsors you support the show i can't emphasize how important it is that they know that you're coming from me and if you do let them know you came from restaurant unstoppable they'll support more shows and we can scale this sucker. We can take it to the next level. I can get the resources I need to better serve you. That's how important it is that you use my links. And speaking of better resources to serve you, uh, in the network, we have Jill Raff joining us live this Wednesday. I believe it is the 21st to talk about customer experience. So if you want to up your customer experience game, that was a big part of today's conversation, the importance of the customer experience and the customer relationship. If you want to up your game, come join us live in the network Wednesday at noon. What you can do, head to the show notes, restaurantunstoppable.com slash 754. I'll put a link for you to join the network. Right now, for a short time, I'm offering... 12 months of free access to Restaurant Unstoppable Network just because I want to get amazing people in there to create community into, I mean, you can't have community without people. So let's get you in there. Let's let's learn more about you. Let's create your profile. Let's have you join the conversation. All right, guys, that's it for today. Uh, thanks for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.